Fox News alert millions of American families. Yeah, Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for CBS News. I'm George Thomas. We begin with the latest. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for CBS News. Watch on George Thomas. We begin with the latest in the coronavirus pandemic. Number of cases here in the U.S. Welcome to Rise to Liberty podcast, the best podcast you've never heard of, fighting for free speech and spreading the message of liberty. Find us at risetoliberty.com for everything related to the show, including our merch, social media, episode player, and much more. My guest today is a Marine War veteran, an activist, a warrior for freedom. He has stood up and spoke out against tyranny, sometimes resulting in his temporary loss of freedom. He has started a nonprofit organization called Homefront Battle Buddies, an organization focusing on creating a community of veterans who help each other heal through the use of alternative healing therapies in the hopes that they can transition back to civilian life. He's run for public office. He is an author and host of his own show, Adam versus the Man. But he is not only a man who talks the talk, but he is a man who walks the walk. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor to welcome Adam Kokesh. Thank How you. How you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Yourself? Not too bad. You know, after we got all these tech issues worked out and everything. So this better be the best interview you've ever had. <laughs> well, you're definitely uh the most crazy guest I've ever had before. And I mean that in the best way possible. No, no. You know what? I'm 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 happy to start on that note, Jake. I am the sanest <laughs> guest you will ever have on this show. Maybe not ever, but that you have ever had. Um, I, I think in the words of, of Donald Trump, I am a very stable genius. Uh, but no, I, will, I will make the case for my unique sanity in a world gone mad. I will take that conversational prompt, if you will, to illuminate a subject that I rarely get to articulate, but we do live in a world gone mad. You know, it's a, especially now we, as libertarians, we've been saying this in different ways for years, you know, since at least the right well, since the libertarian party, 1971, yeah. you know, the rise of the modern bureaucratic centralized state that the United States federal government certainly exemplifies, but they're, there are a handful of other good examples around the world, you know, but this is modern phenomena of human organization. It has been a unique kind of madness that yeah. in an age of relative enlightenment, of material profusion of wealth, of knowledge, of a connectedness, of communications technology, that we still put up with this. But especially in the last two years under COVID, yeah. which I describe as a dark cloud hanging over everything but hysteria is certainly appropriate as a way of describing what we are living through as as a as a phenomenon yes there's a there's a pandemic i'm not a virus denier you know like yeah there's a <laughs> virus um i think i got it actually i think i got it a few weeks ago finally actually my, my approach to covid uh, variants is the same as pokemon gotta catch them all um you know get that, get that natural herd immunity up there so we don't kill grandma uh, but no, I, 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 regardless of your take on if it's lab leaked or how much of a conspiracy it is, and, and, and the thing that boggles my mind is, you know, how much is it some kind of planned depopulation versus just they don't care about killing people for power and profit, you know, like no. these the same people who made the Iraq war that I was in, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same people okay it's it's blackrock and vanguard and the military industrial complex and big pharma driving this whole phenomena and the rich get richer at the expense of everybody else so it it it, it sounds shocking it, it sounds crazy it sounds even to me 
conspiracy minded to go, yeah, it, it's either they're letting people die to get rich or they're deliberately letting or manipulating or making large chunks of the population die through the shutdowns, the lockdowns, the policies, the vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. But regardless of your interpretation, wherever you are on the spectrum of reasonable understandings of COVID, COVID policy, clearly alongside the phenomena of the virus and alongside the phenomena of the lockdowns and the policy and the actual response, there is a phenomena of hysteria. We are living through a period of mass hysteria where the threat is overblown and that state of fear is being used to manipulate people. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. pretty, pretty safe general trying to be, you know, inclusive here. I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how your audience feels about this, but I think that's a perspective that, that, that still hits the heart of what is fucked up in a way that yeah. doesn't, I'm not, I'm not depending on my unique analysis of some particular element of this to say, you have to agree with me to get on board with this, to, to understand what's happening. And a lot of libertarians have been kind of doomsdayers as preppers. And, and I'm not really one of those people. I want to live by my principles, by my values. You know, I've, I'm coming to you. I'm sitting in front of my, my wood stove here uh, in Gardenia, my 10-acre <laughs> homestead in the mountains of Arizona, in my cabin. Um, and we're not fully functionally independent. We are completely off-grid. And we could be if we had to. And I don't think things are going to get like a scale worse. Like a lot of the preppers say that, yeah. you know, it's going to be societal collapse, but there's a lot of negative momentum right now for the world, economically, socially, politically. I don't know if we're going to come out of it or when, or if it, this is all just going to fade into the background and then humanity is going to progress. But I, I think there has to be, uh, you know, a period of about a year for the negative momentum to unwind, at least what we have right now. I don't think it's good. If you believe the, the, the lab leak virus theory, it's a lot more plausible now than ever before that they could just say, eh, fuck it, let's release a worse virus next time. Right. Yeah. And, that, and now that they've got the template for medical tyranny and for raising hysteria, uh, I mean, if I were them and that's what I was doing, that's what I would do is release a virus like, like, uh, like Corona. Oh, wait, 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 sorry. I forgot. That's what we used to call it. COVID. Yeah. COVID let's, let's be scientific. <laughs> um, that, that if they were to release that, that they would release that and let it be something relatively mild and then release something serious. And the uh, you know the, the the threat of a a serious virus is uh, you know as, as real now as ever before, um, possibly even more so if people's immune systems are weakened by lockdowns, shutdowns, all the other negative health consequences, lack of access to Medicare or medical care, uh, plus or minus who knows whatever the effect of the vaccines may be. Although it looks mm -hmm. to have pretty deleterious effects on your immune system at this point, although. Statistics are certainly debatable, and 86.53709% of all statistics are total made-up bullshit designed to manipulate you. So you got to watch out for that. But I, I would think that the approach that, that my worldview suggests, the libertarian analysis, the initiative based on love of life itself and love for humanity, I think the way that I live and, and, and my perspective on the world and the way that I relate to authority is the only sane way to live. Yeah. Well said. That's uh, I, I don't think you have to go too far to honestly see things and people in such a hysterical light. It's uh it's really in our faces these days and yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to ignore um, why things are happening so rapidly. Uh, personally, that's just what makes me believe that it's a social 
socially engineered, you know, uh, oh, there, there's, there, there seems to be some people pushing this. Oh, yeah. Um, well, let me, let me, let me, uh, articulate a model of, of that, which might, I think clarify as a way of thinking about it is that, uh, a lot of the conspiracy minded people look for simple answers that it's, it's, you know, one dude, like it's all Fauci and <laughs> it's, you know, or, or it's all, you know, CFR or the CIA or, you know, it's, it's the world economic forum and the great reset. And it's like, it's actually kind of all of those things. Yep. And, and that's what it, I think provides a better explanation of what we're seeing with COVID because if it was really a singular conspiracy, if it was, cause like I, if there is, uh, you know, a seat of the conspiracy, it, it, it might be like the, the boards of BlackRock and Vanguard Holdings, the, you know, the two, two major corporate conglomerates that own something like half the defense industry and more than half of the pharmaceutical industry. Um, but even then, that, oh, and, and, and I don't know, like half you know, mainstream media or, or whatever. Um, it, it, it really, if, you, if you're not familiar with BlackRock and Vanguard Holdings companies, uh, look, look those up. Uh, it, it, it really is just one measure of corporate concentration in, in the United States uh, and really in the world, because these are, you know, internationally functioning <laughs> corporations. <laughs> uh, and while they have so much control, this has become so much more than this. It is not a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy of conspiracies working together, taking advantage of the opportunity. They don't even have to look at each other. They just see what each other is doing and go, ah, I have an opportunity to fuck people too because they're accepting it from them over there. And and I can make this point in, in a way that I think will will remove any doubt in the sense that it even if there is a, a central or quasi-central, like if, if BlackRock and Vanguard are somehow actually talking to Fauci and talking to you know, the heads of other governments and, and but I, I, they don't need to. Yeah. It's sort of like the rise of modern bureaucratic governments replacing monarchies was a, a global phenomenon. You can say it was led by the American revolution. Pretty cool. Right. Although we kind of yeah. fucked it up when we let the counter revolution happen and got central banks and standing armies that the founders were against. And uh, we didn't really overthrow the moneyed families, the true dynasties of the world, the powers that be by overthrowing the crown in the American revolution. It was almost more symbolic, but it led to a transformation of governments around the world. They said, you know, we don't want these figureheads anymore. You know, we, we want some, we want, we want to at least pretend democracy. All right. We want to, we want to vote. And if we vote, we'll be, we'll work harder and we'll let you tax us more was, was basically how the state bracket evolved. And it, it's a, it's evolving now to such a point where it, it, the underlying dynamics of it mean that when something like COVID comes along, everybody goes, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Yeah. Okay. We're all, yeah, we're doing this. Okay. I guess we're all doing this. And there are certain people that drive it more than others, but it goes all the way from the very tippy top of Biden. If you think he's anything more than a puppet, I think, he's like, <laughs> I think presidents are yeah. better to serve as power brokers than puppets they get to decide what strings are attached to them at least. Um, but, you know, Biden, Fauci, you know, uh, uh, who is it? Charles Klaus, uh, mm -hmm. Schwab, whatever, all, all the, the, the rich money families, all the people in the world economic forum, the people who sit on the boards of BlackRock and Vanguard. Sure. But it goes all the way down to the, to, to the state governments that are taking advantage of this, to the local governments that are taking advantage of this, to the individual cops and bureaucrats that are taking advantage of this down even further to the individual fucking Karens who get some ego gratification, go, well, I'm going to take advantage of this and I'm going to be a COVIDist and I'm going to bully people around me because it makes me feel better about myself, makes me feel more important, gives me some false sense of, of, of security to be, to be feel, to feel superior to the people around me. And it's such a dangerous conspiracy of conspiracies because it doesn't need a central conspiracy. It is something that is invoking a vulnerability in the human psyche and all of our current institutions. 
And I hope we come out of this with, with positive momentum that, that we take humanity takes this as the teachable moment to go. Yeah, let's address that, you know, that that deep seated fear and, and bullshit and, and the, the psychopathy that makes a phenomenon like this possible. Um, let's all do mushrooms in the woods with Adam at his place. You know? <laughs> Count me in any time. Um, so I, I watched uh, a speech of yours recently, and I, I thought you made an interesting point. It was uh, the, the speech you had made here in Salt Lake City um, for the uh, oh. 50th anniversary. And great speech. Loved it. Thanks. Um, Thanks. One of my best. Yeah. yeah you got to give I, it a title. How and why to be a fucking pirate. Arr. Arr. <laughs> so, which uh, will be linked in the uh, description down below for anyone uh, wanting to check it out. I definitely recommend it. Um, the, the point that you had made was kind of how easily everyone fell into this whole COVID lockdown thing and how so many people did not come out of it. Um. Yeah. To me, that seems kind of like a a black pill. So my question is, what what white pills you these days? Well, if you mean like blue and red pill, I don't I don't know black pill, white pill. I, I'm not familiar with the way those terms are used. I know red pill, uh, blue dooms, pill. doomsday white pills. Like you got hope. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Black pill is like here's some truth revealed that convinces you the world is fucked as opposed to the white pill. That's the optimism pill. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I, cause I want to, I want to address it first from a blue pill, red pill and see if I can bring it through psychology analysis to black pill, white pill. Um, because the phenomena of, of COVID for a lot of Americans, at least and a lot of people around the world has been, uh, I'm scared. Give me the blue pill. Put me back in the matrix. They, they, you know, their, their t-shirts now even making fun of this, you know, with the meme of, of the gray faced guy with like needles and a mask and, you know, govern me harder, daddy. Yeah. You know, they're like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were scared into go into just gobbling down more blue pills, right? Put me deeper into the matrix. And what that makes me think of, is Mark Twain's quote, uh, it's much easier to fool someone than convince them they have been fooled. And a fear once entrenched is quite difficult to dislodge. And in terms of COVID, my answer might just have to be, I don't know, and we can't know because we don't know what's going to happen except I do believe firmly that the COVIDists and the people driving the phenomena will manipulate the narrative in such a way that people will be able to hold on to it. Well, maybe we didn't know everything that we know now, but we did what we could when we were scared. And you have to be like, no, you <laughs> fucking morons. You fell for the racket. Admit that you were lied to. Mm -hmm. But you know, do I care? Do I really care? I care that it doesn't happen again more than that. Like, do I care that, that like, for example, like I, I have, you know, partly uh, driven by this phenomenon of COVID ended up separating from a lot of my, my biological family who went hardcore COVID idiot. And just, I, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with them right now. And it's kind of a, a weird thing to see them same go that way. But do I, do I need them to apologize? No, that's needing an apology is childish. Uh, uh, it, it is. It is. Now, apologies. I don't. I, it's a very simplified analysis. Let me sidebar that for a second. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, I need them to apologize to make me feel better. That means you are not emotionally mature. You are not in control of your emotions. To say, I would like them to apologize, to acknowledge their responsibility and commit to never making it happen again so that we can move forward functionally in a working or whatever relationship, that's different. That's fine. There is a, a legitimate, but 
I need an apology. I need someone to say they're sorry. Uh, so I need them to feel bad so that I can feel good. Fuck that. That's childish shit. You know, do I need them to say, on the same token? Do I need them to admit that they were wrong? Not really. Kind of want, I mean, I want them to because it would reassure me that they might not fall for it again. And, and that's a big part of what I've gone through with the military to admit that enlisting the military, I fell for that. I fell for military. I fell for the, the mythology of American militarism. I was scammed into enlisting in the Marine Corps and volunteering to be a party to war crimes in Fallujah in Iraq in 2004. I can, and, and, and that's, to me, that's, that's, that's just sort of easy at this point. A lot of people are just so emotionally insecure that they will never admit that they were wrong. Right. They, are so emotionally mature that they they just move on to the next thing and they don't have the the, the self-confidence they have some deep-seated shame or insecurity and so to answer the question psychologically like and seriously bring it back to mushrooms you know and mental health uh and cannabis but alternative therapies like what we're doing with Homefront battle buddies it's uh, the question becomes not how do we convince people that they were lied to, but how do we build them up in such a way that they are impervious to that deceit in the future? And and a lot of people right now just I got a sidebar on one other point because like I'm I'm a big advocate of giving blood. My birthday's tomorrow. People say, what do you want for your birthday? I say, give blood. Donate blood. Don't give me anything. Donate blood. Because there's a good chance I might need it someday. Okay, so yeah. donate blood. There's a good chance you might need it. Let's get as much unvaccinated blood into the blood banks as possible. It's, there's there's a blood supply shortage in America. Yeah. There's never been a superfluous supply, at least to my knowledge. It's so there have always been doctors since I mean since we developed this technology of blood transfusions. Like holy fuck, how have we not just yes everybody give blood? How did we not like figure that out? There are times when doctors have to like decide who gets a certain pint of blood in a limited supply or not. I, I want it to be so superfluous of blood supply that anytime anybody might need some, they just throw pints at them. You know, when I'm in the emergency room, if I'm bleeding out, I don't want a doctor going, well, I think he'd be okay with three pints. Yeah, let's save the fourth and see how he does. No, fuck that. Give me the fourth pint. Everybody donate. Anyway, um, what was I talking about? So uh, with with building people up, you know, I I don't, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not committed to, to mushrooms, but a, a positive awareness of mental health. Uh, and, and a lot of people decry the modern rise of, of pathology of, of, of psychoactive of pharmaceutical prescriptions and, and diagnoses as a terrible thing. And there are a lot of things we're fucking up with it. Don't get me wrong. And certainly generally overprescribing and, and the wrong drugs in general. Um, but the fact that we are able to be so aware of this doesn't mean that we're getting crazier. In some ways, in the last few years, we are. Let's acknowledge that. Yeah. But overall human mental health is getting better with time that we have, we, we are not, we are not all hunters and gatherers 24 seven means now we can sit with a dude and talk on a couch and it's not a big deal. You know, it's not like, Oh my, you know, we have, so we have the luxury to diagnose things that in the past were just, uh, he's a violent asshole. Well, now it's, he has, you know, bipolar, bipolar personality <laughs> disorder and can address that. No shit. Well, next, like I, I, what I want to get past in the next level for humanity, for looking at mental health, you know, is, is the way that I think about like physical fitness. You know, I obviously I, I take my physical fitness very seriously. And I think that if someone came to me and said, hey, man, I can bench press 225. You know, I want to get to the point where I can bench press 315. Can you help me get there? I wouldn't look at them and be like, oh, well, let's diagnose your weakness disorder. You know, like, oh, let's deal with your pussy problem and and see why you're such a wimpy, you know, wimpy guy. And let's let's fix that and, and let's heal your your weakness. No, you go fucking. That's awesome. You can bench two twenty five. Let's build you up. You know. Okay, so you you've got issues with fear. Okay, so you've got issues with with anxiety. So you've got issues with insecurity. Let's strengthen your ego. Let's your healthy ego, you know, let's strengthen your confidence. Let's strengthen your self-awareness. Let's strengthen your self-discipline. Let's strengthen your 
physical body so that it can support your brain with a, a, a continuous proper supply of nutrients, right? So that gets me to your, your actual question, <laughs> black pill or white pill. Um, I, I think when someone has that and has that attitude towards their health and their outlook because they love life, it's it, it, the sort of white pill, black pill analysis almost doesn't matter. You know, you're going to live well. You're going to be happy. You're going to live by principle. You're going to live deliberately. You're going to be healthy, at least. And it's gets you to a sort of Zen detachment. Uh, you can then objectively from that state of looking at the world without any of your personal pathologies or biases in the way, look at it. It, it, well, in a way that to me is, is is rationally optimistic, I would say. Let me put it to you like this, because I I don't discount the possibility. I mean, I'm an optimist, but yeah, an asteroid could hit the Earth and we all could die at any second. You know, like, yeah, that's just. Welcome to life, <laughs> you know, like that's that's welcome to human awareness with this beautiful thing that we all get to enjoy. Yeah, it could. And at any time, it could at any point for any of us turn into agonizing pain for decades. Yeah, it, yeah it, with, like, without warning. Without warning, at any moment, your life could become painful agony until you decide to end it or can't end it. That's, whoa, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a reality. But if you look at the course of human history, it's one of beautiful progress and accelerating progress. And we are very fortunate to be alive during what I call the, the curve to the asymptote of the human experience, where so many things that drive our day-to-day -day lives are, are about to just increase exponentially off the charts. Productivity, access to energy, information, entertainment. Um, I mean, the profusion of material wealth with 3D printing, just all, all of that stuff on the horizon that's really been robbed from us over the last, you know, century or two by modern bureaucratic governments uh it it, it, can, it can't be suppressed inevitably uh you know the, the the just you look at quality of life standard of living in the united states and there are lots of places in the world that have yet to catch up i don't mean to discount that but in general massive portions of the population have, have, of the world have been lifted into this modern life where we all expect to have like, we're like in America, nobody really goes hungry, for example. Like even just 50 years ago, people people like, I, like starvation wasn't an issue, but it like in, in the course of American history, it has been. But we kind of just take it for granted now. Nobody really starves in America. If you're a human being in America, you you can get in, you get food. Like you you starve because you got lost in the wilderness, not because you couldn't afford food. Like we get to take care of everybody that way. Did you see anybody like actually wearing rags? No, homeless people in America still dress like reasonably well. I mean, functional clothing. No one's freezing to death on the streets. Poor right? people still have TVs these days. Yeah, cell phones. And, and just the cell phones. Cell phones is a game changer, right? Thank you. And and the the way a lot of uh, libertarian economists. I think I've described this as, you know, in, in uh, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, rich man had a Model T, poor man walked. Today, rich man has a Porsche, poor man has a Honda Civic. That's an example from like the early 2000s when I was learning libertarian economics. I'm sure there are better, more popular ones at this point. Fuck, I'm old, man. Like I said, I'm about to turn 40. Um, I'm having a, uh, a quarter life crisis because I'm going to live to be at least 160 years old. That's my plan. I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised one bit, honestly. But I've got I've got that time enough behind me for perspective that uh, I think that I, for a long time I've been, I guess you would say, you know, a white pilled rational optimist. Does that explain? Does that answer your question? Oh yeah, yeah. I I definitely think that that covers exactly what I was getting at. Personally, I'm. I'm white pilled. Um, the reason why, especially uh, through all of this 
mass hysteria, these uh, authoritarian overreaches. I see more and more people standing up and actually not taking it. Um, just look what's going on in Canada. Um, the fact that news media has to not cover it. They have to try and downplay it as if it's nothing. A fringe minority, sure. Justin Trudeau, Trudeau said. Um, people trying to discredit a march for freedom because there was one asshole with a swash stick of flag. Yeah. Like it, it's it's uh, really interesting that the moves to discredit freedom. So I, I, I honestly believe that people who want their freedom are making massive head ground above so I, people who yeah. want to stifle us. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really tempting to be pessimistic right now. And I've kind of gone through this myself and really only figured it out. Uh, this clearly what I'm about to say when I went to jail in December uh, for mushrooms and it's that the absurd concentrations of wealth that we're seeing, excuse me, that we're seeing it's paper money. It's not, I mean, yes, they use it to manipulate real wealth. They use it to manipulate human behavior. They use it to manipulate labor and who has claims to what physical properties. But it, it's it's imaginary. You know, all fiat currency is is has value. I don't want to say it's not real, but it's an imaginary accounting system of numbers based on the government's threat to collect taxes in those bills and, and force people to use that fiat currency. Obviously, you're familiar with this phenomenon. Um, that and COVID policy uh, and you know everything else that we're seeing in the, in the, that you mentioned in the propaganda, it, this isn't things getting worse overall, at least not in the long term. It's them getting desperate. They can't start work. What, what did these, these people, what did they used to do? They used to convince millions of gullible young men to dress up in funny costumes and meet in the middle of a field where none of them live and kill each other because they're wearing different colors. That's what they used to do. Now they're doing COVID. It's not as bad, but it's desperation. And that means we have hope coming out of this. I'm, I'm very hopeful. So my next question would be, why does liberty matter? Why does it matter to you? Liberty is life. Liberty is the, is, is the expression of the gift of human consciousness. Free will, it means nothing without practical respect in the real world. I don't want to say it means nothing, uh, but it means less. You know, it is less, it is less fruitful. Um, and I, I want to point out, because oftentimes, and, and myself even, you know, as, as a libertarian, excuse me <clears throat> we forget that uh as as long as your mind uh is is capable of of being uh, aware of itself you can control the response to the response that you have as an animal to stimuli you that 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 gap between stimulus and response as it is sometimes described as long as you have that you get to choose the composition of your mind you get to choose your attitude your outlook your perspective on the world. And that is the freedom that matters. So how do you feel that specifically the Libertarian Party has been able to effectively spread liberty? Do you see that working? Uh, the, I mean, there's there's a lot of That's issues uh, <laughs> internally. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it, it, because there, there's also been a rise of... Uh, I, I really hate labels, but I, I guess they are uh, calling themselves the post-libertarians, uh, people that don't see libertarianism actually working, and so they abandon it and go for one of the two big parties. Um, how, no, how you... well, so you say, you know, how is the libertarian party effective at spreading the message? Um, I think various individuals within it, as candidates and as activists or as party organizers. Uh, have been at times very effective as a whole uh i think we are very right uh to point out the inefficiencies the limitations the vulnerabilities that a national libertarian party represents 
and it's tempting to 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 criticize it to demean it as uh as a waste of resources uh but i think what the libertarian party undeniably achieves is is holding that space for and i i've heard this described i wish i could credit the gentleman who told me this longtime libertarian party activist i met uh at, at one of the state conventions last year said well no we are holding the vessel for when the moment comes and the moment is probably not going to come from the libertarian party and it the mechanism of change may or may not be the libertarian party i i am open to different possibilities it's not that you know i do believe that a voluntary society is inevitable assuming you know we don't blow each other all up with nukes or you know the asteroid doesn't come first it is the natural course of human progress to get less violent over time that's been academically proven steven pinker harvard ted talk uh, the surprising decline violence if you don't believe me and it's just a matter of, of of how and when so it could be as we see that the state becomes less vicious i mean let's let's celebrate how much the government has had to back off the drug war as much as arrests for cannabis are still uh, horrifically high um they have had to give up that part of the racket to maintain their credibility the police state has become significantly less brutal you know over over the last few years so with democrats and republicans in power the the, the state is, is being pulled more in a libertarian direction anyway there are less wars less large-scale wars at least um you know while you look you look at the scale from like world war one to world war two to, to vietnam to the gulf war the global war on terror as horrific and, and costly as the global war on terror is it, it, it's part of a, a decline in what militarism can get away with so it, it might be that we have a moment it might be that coming out of covid you know some savior comes along or somebody writes a book or there's one meme or one hashtag you know it, it could be it could be any mechanism um it could be the facebook group i'm launching tomorrow called oath breakers that you know calls out the uh, the, the irrevocable uh condemnable unethical nature of the u.s constitution from top to bottom it says you know like you know you should swear no allegiance to a document that that, that doesn't respect uh, you know the principles of individual liberty of voluntary voluntarism so i actually i have um i have a copy of the constitution here i'm going to be uh burning for a little video later today uh that we'll release tomorrow but um is it the libertarian i think the libertarian party is extremely worthwhile and very important activism for human progress in all the ways that i see humanity progressing right now uh so i hope that puts it in context i i would say so i just i mean i see a lot of the issues with with the lp um i i don't think that that delegitimizes it or any of the work that anyone is doing within it or in the name of it. The whole Some goal is to spread history. liberty. I, I choose to see opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I had only recently gotten involved uh, directly in the party. I'd been a libertarian since I would say about high school. Um, I was fortunate enough to be exposed to uh, certain things to keep me out of the military, you know? Yep. And, uh, I, I was very fortunate in that aspect because that was the route that a lot of people went. And even now, I just, I, I see more of a reason to be involved in getting things done. Um, I've been uh, really trying to get things going off in my state over here in Utah, trying to get people organized and actually start paying attention to city council meetings uh county commission meetings like actually be involved know what's going on know what these people who actually can affect your daily life are doing um know that you're in charge of what happens because you're the one that has the power to vote them in or vote them out um do i think that that's the end all be all no i don't but why give up one thing doesn't make sense to me why some people don't i, I think voting especially uh, federally is pretty stupid. It's not like we're really like, we get to choose our leader. 
you know, we get to choose uh, what corporate puppet, but I'm still not going to give that up. I'm still going to have it on paper that uh, I refuse to follow this and I'm going to vote for third party. Yeah, no, and, and and the critics of of Libertarian Party or Libertarian political activism in general um, are are generally mean spirited assholes. You know, because if, if you, if you you can't say that it's it's. I mean, I, I, there are certain things done in the name of the Libertarian Party that yes, okay, they're counterproductive to the cause of freedom. Sure, uh, tiny little things here and there. Um, and some people would would argue major existential things like giving giving the system credibility. But this is the worst thing. Like, if you vote, you give the system credibility. It's like, are, are you saying that the system just needs my voice, and then then theft is credible when I go and vote? No, no, you're you're legitimizing the system. This system could never be fucking legitimate. Like it, it, it's it's a terrible contradiction, but we would be a fool as a movement. We would be foolish to put all of our eggs in one basket or in this general fight or struggle or you know course of human progress, however you want to describe it, that we close off any route that has a genuine chance of success. You know, I'm I, and 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 for me. You know, localization, you know, I ran for president on the platform of dissolving the federal government. If the support is there, I intend to honor my commitment to run again in 24 and put no federal government at all on the ballot again. And uh, if people are ready for that, great. But I'm, I'm also declaring independence here with our homestead as Gardenia, as a micronation. So, you know, we can do this from the ground up, too. We can do this by lifestyle. You know, we could do this by what you're describing as, you know, sort of local political community activism of getting people engaged. But I, I think if, if there's one thing that we really under credit as, as an avenue of progress as, as libertarians, it's recognizing that there's a major limit. There's a wall that we hit um, in advocating for ideology that scares people or advocating for change that scares people. And we need to engage in the political realm. And I think localization is a great way to say we're not going to pull the rug out from underneath anybody. Your state government is already huge and overbearing, too. We're just going to get rid of this federal level. It's actually, you know, it's, I'm not I, I don't need to convince you of my ideology to be on board with that. Um, but also there you can't argue facts and logic with people who are emotionally committed to their positions. So we examine why, going back to the psychology and back to what I think is a major shift in my perspective and my activism and focusing on, on home front battle buddies and advocating for psychedelics and mental health. Um, and by the way, as, as long as we're mentioning home front battle buddies again, oh, awesome. I got to mention that our, our program director, Ed Vallejo, is in jail right now um, because he was at the uh, January 6th uh, event in D.C. and is being railroaded as a political victim here. Uh, although he really is a libertarian. Oh, no, um, the great meandering. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he wasn't even there that day. He was across the river. He was part of the quick reaction force, so he's being charged with seditious conspiracy. Yeah, um, so we really need help right now. People want to come out here and help build, help build this organization. We need, uh, we need volunteers. We need people who are ready to take on a serious role, uh, especially veterans. If you're not a veteran, you want to help. That's awesome because really, what we're doing is for everybody. Developing a model of safe use and and conscientious application of psychedelics and alternative therapies, especially can are the, the the big four for me: cannabis, psilocybin, MDMA, and ketamine. Um, and of course, whatever else veterans want is going to be incorporated. But what I want to push to make available for veterans and create the environment for that. You come here, there's going to be a cannabis caterer, any kind you could want. We're growing. And I'm since I beat the charges in Colorado with the religious defense, I'm very comfortable saying I grow and give away mushrooms here for veterans. Um, uh, ketamine and MDMA um, are not covered as synthetics under the uh, religious. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of the Oklahoma Way Native American Church. Uh, exemption under the First Amendment because they're synthetic, but uh, getting them here is obviously 
you know, in, in, in quantities that involve uh, negligible liability or under medical supervision with doctors who have already volunteered who want to help. We have, we have a guy who does ketamine therapy in Phoenix who wants to come up here when we get going. Problem is we're a long ways from getting going with the full retreat model because we have to build, uh, we're building three buildings, a, a gym, a, a big greenhouse and a, and a barracks slash lodge to host these retreats for veterans here. So if anybody wants out, please email me, adam at thefreedomline.com uh, or homefrontbattlebuddies at gmail.com. Uh, go to our website, homefrontbattlebuddies.org. So anyway, back to back to the, the main subject. Well, this commercial is now over. Uh, but yeah, please, anything you can do to help out, uh, you can also donate uh, tax-deductible donations. Uh, the, the bigger challenge for us as libertarians, when we hit that wall of people who are emotionally attached to their ideas, is how do we empower them to be more emotionally mature? Uh, we, as libertarians, generally pride ourselves on being rational and objective and some even objectivists. And I consider myself in that sense an open objectivist. I'm not an, a Randian, but I, I support the intellectual methodology of objectivism. And if, if people can't get that in politics, you know, but we have to admit that we are failing in being objective in our activism and our advocacy and not recognizing that in a lot of ways we're up against that wall. We have to get around it or we have to take it down bit by bit, brick by brick. And that might be one, you know, psychedelic experience at a time. That might be one session with a therapist. That might be one hiking meditation retreat. That might be one person right now who's locked up with COVID having some experience getting out because right now everybody's very very suppressed and there's there's a certain demand for that and i i know what i'm doing here uh growing mushrooms giving them away to veterans hosting retreats uh and and building to that we need we need a lot of money right now i mean we need about one hundred twenty thousand dollars to to uh, build out just the facility here to be able to do that um and and that would still include a lot of volunteer hours on top of that to make all this come together. So uh, is that the, the ultimate answer? I don't know. But in a way, we also have to realize that decentralization is a big part of this. You know, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general, but at a deeper Monero. level, yeah, Monero, uh, at a deeper level, it's uh, a, a real decentralization of the human experience as a whole. You know, we we have to give up the idea that we're going to find one savior, or there's going to be one central plan, or there's going to be one thing that did it. You know, no, nah. you know, and it, it might be just that. Uh, how does humanity move past this? You know, fear mode, this 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 statism era where we are looking. So many of us looking at fear and looking at authority. And it's not that we get scared of that and look to something else. It's it's that we are all able to, you know, look within and look up and look, look, look away from that to those greater things. You know, as as, um, you know, like a, a preacher of this message, I don't want you to look at me. I want you to look within and look to God, you know, whatever that is for you. And to me, I'm, I'm a pantheist and I, I, I absolutely support you know, that the, the atheist analysis of the personified God, blah, 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 blah. But whatever, whatever principle that is for you, whether it's God or, or your own spirituality, but whatever it is that makes life worth living for you, turn away from fear, turn away from authority, look within and, and, and look to what is good and what is righteous, whatever that is for you. And that doesn't mean, you know, look at me. It doesn't mean, you know, watch this program. That means live your best life. I, I have to agree. I One reason I wanted to highlight you and what, what you have going on is because I am a big proponent of leading by example. And I think that there are a lot of great libertarians who are leading by example. And a lot of people who are not related to the libertarian movement at all, who are also leading by example. Yeah, right. Maybe more so. Yeah. I mean, the most libertarian thing you can do is live it without knowing what that word means. Exactly. Without putting that label on it. You know, it's, uh, 
it's really interesting. Um, I think I'm with you. Ultimately, there's there's great hope for everything. Uh, no matter what story you decide to read, good always ends up winning in the end. And you know how I think my goal, at least, is how can I mitigate some of the pain and some of the uh, the the uh, uphill struggle the unnecessary uphill struggle that's forced upon us as citizens of a unjust crown. Um, uphill struggle's great, of course. You know, you, you should be challenged and everything, but there's, there's a certain point where uh, when things are forced upon people, it's, it's wrong. And how can I make things better for my next generation, for my kids? I'll, I'll struggle so they don't have to. And that's well, really my, my big stance. I, I don't want to be too much of a semantic nitpicker, but just the the word struggle, like there's a the, you know the Buddhist principle that life is struggle. Uh, and and I, I kind of have redefined that or reinterpreted that, that life is effort, you know, and a life worth living is a, is a deliberate principle life with effort and it's not struggle it's not strife it's not conflict struggle suggests a certain period of conflict and overcoming or awkwardness or challenge and i think it's just more acceptance of the nature of life itself that you know life requires effort that a life worth lived for a human being is one where you are engaged with life and it's it's i don't think I will struggle so my kids won't have to. It's I will set an example of living well that my kids can follow. Wow, that's well said. I I don't mind um, semantic nitpickers. Uh, semantics are one of the most important things in, especially in the English language. It literally defines, or it's how we define things differently. Um, and I, I think uh, a lot of issues coming from people yeah, who a lot of want to see people are resolved in the defining of terms at the start of the debate. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's, it's uh, people trying to blur the lines of the semantics. Yes, where I yeah. see a lot of a lot of issues coming from, uh, at least what we're dealing with currently. So I yeah. have no problem with that. And this is, you know, I, I, to piggyback on the concept of emotional empowerment, to get people away from the emotional attachment to their issues, a big part of it, too, is educational empowerment. And one of the things that I take for granted, being very well educated in the sense that I have, like, I went to really good elementary school, uh, middle school, and high school. I went to uh number 14 liberal arts college in the country claremont mckenna you know i was always a, a reader as a kid and uh, you, you know have, have given speeches and blah 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 and uh, i have most of a master's degree in political management from george washington university and then you know titles titles credentials whatever um but uh, a lot of us who have that level of education in language and appreciation for it kind of take for granted that we use language with a certain precision that as a tool simply isn't available to most Americans who are poorly educated through the government school system in the United States. And this is something that is actual, actually uh, a relative decline. Uh, Greg, Greg Giraldo, uh, may he rest in peace, uh, you might know from Comedy Central Roasts and a stand-up, one of my favorite uh, dead comedians, said that the way the language used to be used even in american history is so stark because he was reading a book of civil war letters that civil war troops wrote home to their loved ones and it was like my dearest beloved margaret every morn my heart yearns with the ache of your absence and then he goes can you imagine what letters from the troops are like today dear marie yeah this is joe here in the desert, it's fucking hot, and there's sand everywhere. Don't fuck anyone while I'm gone. <laughs> See you soon. You know, like, and it's just like, yeah, there used to be 
and 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 I'm not I'm not a conservative or you know a nostalgic guy in any sense, but it, it that that contrast does illuminate the general low expectation of precision in language for most Americans, and in a way that is manipulated by the mainstream media and taken advantage of by politicians, and that it language is a is is a soft squishy thing that deals more in the realm of emotion rather than precision precision. A precise description of ideas or, or even physical reality or, or promises. And, and so just empowering people to be smarter, to take time off of, of, off of work, to, to be with their kids, to invest more in education one way or another, to have the leisure time. Because even what I'm describing as a phenomena, perhaps of earlier periods in American history, where there was a more pervasive appreciation for the English language's usages, uh, that wasn't a thing 300, 400, 500 thousands of years before that. We've gone from grunts and groans to being able to describe incredible things. Um, and that, that we don't fully take advantage of that is one of the things that we have been in some ways robbed of our potential of that in modern generations by the perversity of the modern education system run by governments around the world is just one more way that they, that they take advantage of us. But I'm just then all the more confident that, you know, technology creating leisure time and, and, and the internet making education available and uh, eventually competition between educational institutions is going to inevitably lead to every human being on earth having access to much greater, greater education. So one, one word I want to ask you about that I seem I, I see cause a lot of issues recently. Misinformation. What's what's your thoughts about that one particular word? That word used to mean something. Now it's anybody who disagrees with me is spreading misinformation. Uh, yeah, no, it's it, it, it's just a unique phenomena under the, the COVID hysteria that anybody who challenges COVIDism is spreading misinformation. And it's a it's a very dangerous, unscientific thing, but it, it, it used to be fake news. It's just a dumb way of politically discrediting people that disagree with you. And it's just a, a little bit more pernicious in the way that it has become associated with science and the COVIDism racket. As, as misinformation, because it has served for the drivers of the COVID hysteria as an effective way of suppressing information that challenges their narrative. Uh, but now that it's become this marquee word, concept, propaganda tool, misinformation, uh, it, it is starting to wear thin and that's kind of cool to see. The people I, are making fun of it more than effectively at this point. Yeah, I, I find it interesting, uh, the things that are going on with Joe Rogan. You know, they, uh, they're trying to claim misinformation from him. And the people claiming misinformation have a tenth of the audience. Well, hold yes. on. You know, every time you mention Joe Rogan, um, I, I, I get a little triggered because, you know, I was on his show and then yeah, I got censored. His, uh, one one so of the know, 40 episodes that, yes, that got thank removed. Yes, you. you. know the backstory. Yes, I do. And it was nuts. Man, incredibly I, I wrong. Say, I was censored by Joe Rogan and Spotify and Alex Jones. He was part of it because he lied to the public about it. Those three combined to censor yeah. those episodes. They were deliberately involved in censoring now, Alex Jones may be ancillary role, but he covered for him. I can say I've been, and by the way, Alex Jones used to have me on a show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, you have actually led to, uh, you know, radicalizing me at some point, uh, which is why I thought this was so crazy to be able to interview you. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, definitely. I mean, uh, some of uh God, once again, with the labels, uh, it, people have called it the intellectual dark web. Um, you know, Stefan Molyneux, um, he was censored. Uh, Gavin McGinnis, he was censored. Um, all of these people who supposedly are so scary and have no value based upon what 
the powers that be say. And I, I thought it was absolutely crazy that you got wrapped up into that. Well, I hate to say it, but I'm, I've kind of, I, you're forcing me to confront the fact that I, I more or less gave up in the face of all the censorship that I faced. Like I got my YouTube channel up to, uh, you know, it's got over a hundred million views now. I think it says 80 million because the rest are like they've been taken down or or videos that are private or censored or something. But um, and a quarter million subscribers. And at one point I was doing two million views a month with Adam versus the man. And then it 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 plummeted uh, down from from that. Uh, and the monetization plummeted first. It went for when when Google bought YouTube um, and then being shadow banned uh banned and, and and being in facebook jail so many times um but basically being you know i was being shut down on facebook effectively and it was more frustrating to be shadow banned than banned outright because you get banned outright you go okay well that's that i'm going to pick up and move my audience over here if i can um but i've never really like since all that successfully rebuilt my audience i, I mean i right now we do a uh, weekly show um, on Wednesday evenings for Adam versus the man. Um, we're, we're live a few different places. I want to, I want to promote two things, two things. And I'll come back to this at the end here in a few minutes, but um, email me if you way to contact me, Adam at the freedom line.com Adam at the freedom line.com. And my feed, my stream of everything that I'm putting out is on telegram. We're just sort of slowly rebuilding around telegram. And I love telegram. But oh, I'm yeah, only seven hundred something followers there. When I had, I had over a quarter a million on on YouTube, and that was growing until like one of the first things they did when they demonetized was my somehow I got uh, taken out of the subscription algorithm. I don't I don't know how to describe it now. I I, I don't care. I've I've been like deliberately putting all that out of my mind. Uh, but like we would have, you know, we we if we had been allowed to keep going on YouTube, we'd have somewhere between one and two million subscribers right now. And uh, just kind of, you know, I, I don't have that psychopathic drive to have an audience. And and I got I really did at at, at one point and got wrapped up in that. Um, but I I don't know if that's the answer. You know, I want to have some voice in the conversation. Um, but I, I, I was censored out of even the intellectual dark web, you know, I'm, I'm too dark for the dark web. I don't know how you want to say it, but, um, it, it, it cause every time I've tried to build something and I want to say now I'm, I'm on telegram and I'm on odyssey for videos. Um, and we're a few, we, we post a few other places, but that's what I'm focusing on to build. It's our telegram channel and our odyssey channel. And I, but I don't really care. And I don't know if that's the answer. It's fun. Come hang out with us Wednesdays. You know, I, I, I spend more time telling stories now that I'm like stories of the last week. <laughs> like, where did you get arrested last week, Adam? What did you build last week? Whatever. Uh, more than, uh, you know, covering the news, but like, I don't even know if I ever want to get back into that again. Do I want to like, you know, do I want to cover the, the the headlines on a daily basis? Like, yeah, it's really fun, but I'd rather. I, I, does that does that help? You know, does that do we need another guy doing that? I, I don't know. I mean, conversations like this are way more fun. You know, every interview I do where someone lets me lets me ramble and has interesting prompts and good questions, you know, goes in different directions, and I get to promote what I'm doing right now. But even this, this is a unique conversation that's happening today, right now. Yeah. And I, this is, this is more interesting to me. This is, this is, then this is what I do with my show once a week. It's, you know, usually two to three hours. Sometimes we have guests. Sometimes I just ramble. Um, I have a co-host. I have a producer, uh, Ed, Edward Vallejo. Ed is our ombudsman and he's in jail right now. So it's a three person operation with uh, GI Mary Jane as my co-host and, and Jim Freedom as our producer out of Phoenix. Um, but, you know, I would I would give that up to be able to to build home front battle buddies here if I thought it was a, an even trade off. Um, you know, I would I would give that up to uh, be able to give away, you know, all the mushrooms I wanted 
to have my my homestead all, all properly built. Um, you know, I'm on Twitter too. I'm not gonna even tell you my handle there. So I don't want you to find me on Twitter. Find me on Telegram. Get the Telegram app. If you don't know what Telegram is, find out. Are you are you up on Telegram, Jake? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Got a uh, really small channel, about like 42 people, I think. I was able to uh post the uh the unredacted version of the Epstein black book PDF file. And mm. that, that brought a lot of people over. So uh, you can check that out. Uh, rise to liberty.com slash free speech for as long as that lasts. Uh, definitely have a Adam's telegram group in the bottom ticker. So make sure and check that out. Cause I, I love telegram too. It's great. Honestly, I spent yep. so much time on there. Yeah. So I, I should say I have a few other Telegram channels that are that I'm active with there. We have one for Gardenia, which is short for the Garden of Freedom, which is our, our homestead here, uh, soon to be Micronation. And we have uh, we have one for Homefront Battle Buddies. You can find those just by by searching for them. Um, and then we have a, a few channels uh, attached to that. So check them all out if you want the sneak preview for uh, Oathbreakers. That is at t.me slash Adam versus the man. And if anybody wants to donate to support any of these endeavors, we can do it through our 501c3. We can do it by direct investment. We can do it off the record. Email me. We'll make it happen. Adam at thefreedomline.com. Jake, thanks for the opportunity. And for everybody who made it this far in the conversation, thanks for listening. Yeah, it was great. Honestly, uh, I had a blast. It's a, it's a real honor to uh, be able to interview somebody like you that's uh, had an impact. You know, you... I, I would say you've been successful in being able to at least spread the message. And that's what I like to highlight. That's the whole reason I started this channel. You know, uh, is it really going to do a whole lot? No, but it's just the piece, you know, just like voting. It's not the end solution, but it's a piece. Yeah. And absolutely. I'm, I'm going to add to every bit of piece I can. So definitely thank you for being a part of the whole and adding to this piece. Amen. All right, man. We'll definitely get you back on. It was a, it was a lot of fun. So thanks everyone for watching. Make sure and uh, go to rise to liberty.com and make sure and check Adam out. Everything's going to be linked in the uh, episode description below. So see you guys stay free, my friends and fuck the crown. <laughs>